All right. Well, good morning. How are you? It is so good to be connecting with you on internet today. Uh, my name is Pastor Kevin. I am lead pastor at Restoration Church. And let me just say, I'm glad that you have chosen to tune in. Thank you for doing that this morning. This video is in response to an unprecedented time that we are in history. When you think about this outbreak of the coronavirus across the globe, I begin to think about like these once-in-a-lifetime events that happen in history. I think about uh, back when Pearl Harbor was attacked. I think about JFK's assassination. I think about the events that occurred on 9-11. And I begin to think about this outbreak of coronavirus. Is that like one of those events, one of those things that we will look back and remember? Man, remember the exact moment that that happened. Remember the experience. Remember how you felt. Uh, I can't imagine that, or I've got to imagine this is one of those moments. In response to this coronavirus outbreak, the leadership at Restoration Church, we made the decision to cancel our regular Sunday morning gathering at the Seasons Performance Hall. Now, I know there's a lot of opinions about whether or not that was the right thing to do or not. And I wanted to give you a couple of reasonings as to why we made that decision. Uh, first, Scripture calls us to submit to our government authorities. And as the government authorities have said, this is what we recommend in this season for our state and in our city uh, we've decided that we want to comply with that and support what the government officials are trying to do. And secondly, we're a church that is passionate about loving our city. And I think one of the best ways that we can love our city is to do our part to slow down the outbreak of coronavirus and slow down that spread, especially to those who are at most risk, at highest risk. And so because of these decisions, we've decided to move to an online service, and I'm excited for what this is going to look like. Uh, this is a unique season that we are in, in this unprecedented time. Um, honestly, though, some of that, sometimes when you're in a season like this, it can leave us with a sense of, of fear and anxiety. And maybe you're watching this, and maybe that's you. Maybe this whole outbreak has got you fearful and afraid. And I want to just speak to you for just a moment on that. I want, to, I want to remind you about our great God. I want to remind you of who he is, that he is sovereign, and God rules over all things, including viruses and diseases. In fact, Scripture says that God is our refuge, a very present help in trouble. And so I want us to, to take hope in that, that we don't have to allow fear to rule our heart. Listen, if you are in that season and you're just fearful and, and anxiety-driven, listen, if you'd like someone to talk to, you'd like someone to pray over you, man, I'd love for you to reach out to me. Send me a message on uh, Instant Messenger. Uh, send me a message. Send me an email. You can write this email down, info at restorationyakima.com, and we will have someone email you or get in touch with you and be able to talk with you and pray with you through this. Uh, we want to be able to meet you with where you are. Uh, one of the great things about being able to do church like this is we often say things like this. We say things like the church is not a building. The church is not a meeting, a gathering space. And this is a unique opportunity for us to actually put our words into action. And so without a physical gathering, I am excited to connect with you in this way and do something different for us and for our church. 
I'll tell you a little bit of my goal over the next couple of weeks. I'm glad that you are tuning in today. But my goal for you over the next couple of weeks is that you invite someone alongside you to watch this video with you next time we do this. My goal is not that we would be alone, but my goal is you would look around at the people around you and say, is there a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, a friend that you can invite over to say, hey, come over, let's make a meal together, let's have brunch, and let's watch this video, and let's see what God would do through that. Man, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for us to, to gather with the people around, around us, to, to love on them, to help speak the spirit of calm, and allow the Word of God to rule through us during this season. Uh, in fact, I think about I think about the early church and, and how they had this explosive growth. Acts chapter 2 tells us that the, what happened for them was they did exactly what we're doing today. They met together in each other's homes, they shared a meal together, and they studied the scriptures together. And so that's our model for the next season. Let's continue to do what scripture has commanded us to do. A couple things I want to just mention by way of announcements before we jump into studying some scripture together this morning. Uh, first and foremost, we have some resources that are on the way to help you navigate this season of ministry looking different. But honestly, right now with the way that this has fallen in the last couple of days and everything that's happened, we're kind of building the airplane in the air if you know what I mean. It's kind of like we're trying to build a ship while we're already in the water. And so please be patient with us. It takes us a little bit of time to kind of put these things together and, and figure out what this looks like as we go forward into the next little bit of season. Um, I will say that our, your life group leaders at Restoration Church, they are being equipped to be able to lead small groups of people in a unique way during this unique season. And so we want to encourage you to plug into your life group, to plug into that group of believers that God has placed you in. Um, if you are not connected to a life group, uh, whether your group maybe isn't going to meet during this season or maybe you're just not in a life group at all, uh, I want to encourage you to sign up for a life group. Uh, we have some new groups that are going to be starting because of the coronavirus outbreak. We have some of our existing groups that are going to invite some people in. So if you're not in a gr group, would you do me a favor? Would you write this email down? Info at restorationyakima.com. Send us an email, say, hey, I'd like to get connected to a group, and we will help you connect. You can also message me on Facebook, uh, find me, Kevin Diet, and I'll be able to help you get connected to a group. Uh, that is our goal through this season, is that you would do that, as well as you can find some information on our website or on our social media on how to get connected to a group. Secondly, I want to just briefly talk about coronavirus and our response as Christians. Um, as I already mentioned, um, it could be easy for us to respond in fear, but I want to remind us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So we don't have to allow this fear to, to rule and control our hearts. What we want to do is we want to take a wise approach to where we are in life right now. So we're going to be wise and we're going to do things like move to an online service so we can protect those that would be at risk. Um, but I want to remind us that as Christians... Our hope is secure in Jesus. Our future is secure in Jesus. And because our future is secure, that means that even in a season of difficulty, that we can be the light that God has called us to be. And we can let the, the security that we have in Jesus flow out to the people that are around us. And so I want to encourage you, love as Jesus loved. I want to encourage you to, to be, let's be a people of prayer. Let's be praying for our community. 
Let's be praying for those that are infected with uh, this coronavirus. Let's be praying for those that are at risk that they would have protection over them. Let's pray for uh, the businesses that are undoubtedly going to be affected by perhaps a loss of revenue and a loss of employees. Let's be praying for our community. Let's pray for our state. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for all of the countries in the world that are being affected by this. Let's pray for our government leaders. Let's pray pray for those in charge, uh, that God would give them wisdom as they figure out how to uh, lead us through this. And let's pray for those that are in fear and in isolation and loneliness. Let's pray that God would meet them with where they are and comfort them where they need it to be. And thirdly, I want to just, dealing with this, I want to deal with our response as a church to the coronavirus. Um, we, again, we are a church that we are commanded to, to love our neighbor. We're commanded to, to love as Jesus loved. And so I want to encourage you in this unique season, we're going, every one of us is going to have some unique opportunities to love the people around us. So I want to encourage you, look around your circle of influence. Find the needs that are around you. Find somebody maybe who's at risk and they have a difficult time going to the grocery store because of the potential exposure. That becomes a simple opportunity for you to say, hey, could I run to the store for you? Could I pick up some groceries and do this for you? If you have a friend who has kids that are going to be home for the next couple of weeks because school is closed, maybe you could say, hey, why don't you let me watch your kids so you can go to work and do whatever you need to do? There are these practical things that we can do to love the people around us. Listen, as the church, as Christians, this is what we should be doing. And listen, if you have a need, if you're one of those people that say, man, I've got some needs and maybe nobody else knows about them, would you just communicate them to me, communicate them to the church, send us an email at that email address I gave you, info at restorationyakima.com, and we'd love to be able to equip and uh, send the church out to help meet some of those needs. So this is where we're going to jump in to look at some scripture. Uh, at Restoration Church, we've been in a series in the book of Judges. Um, if you don't f- aren't familiar with your Bible, if you open up your Bible to the very beginning, Judges is going to be the seventh book of the Bible. And so turn a few pages to the right, you're going to find the book of Judges. We are in Judges chapter 7. Uh, while you're turning there, let me just start with asking you a question. What is your favorite underdog story? You know, like the underdog story where they're not expected to win, but despite all odds, they get the victory. I always go to sports, and I think about like the 1980 U.S. men's hockey team. Remember them? Uh, In the Olympics, they were going up against Russia, and they were the underdog. There was no chance in winning, and somehow they put it together. They got the victory. It was amazing. Um, I'm a baseball fan, so I think about like the 2004 Boston Red Sox. I love hearing this story because the Yankees lose, yes! But in 2004, uh, the Red Sox were down three games to none against the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. And they had this amazing comeback. They won four games in a row. They went on to beat the Yankees, and they went on to win the World Series. A great story. Um, other people will say, well, Kevin, your life is a underdog story. Like the fact that you proposed to Samantha and she said yes, that may be the greatest underdog story ever written. And I'll say that is true. I'm thankful for my wife. But actually, my favorite underdog story actually comes from the greatest movie franchise that's ever been made, the Rocky Balboa series. Isn't that a great series of movies? In fact, when you watch these movies... I think there's six of them. In every one of these movies, Rocky is the underdog, right? So in movies one and two, he's going up against Apollo Creed, 
In both those movies, Rocky is the underdog who somehow gets the victory. In number three, Mr. T, Clubber Lang. Again, he's the underdog and he gets the victory. Movie number four, he's going against a Russian, uh, Ivan Drago. He's the underdog who gets the victory. Number five, that's the one where there's a street fight against that guy, Tommy Gunn. And again, Rocky Balboa was a lot older than Tommy Gunn, and he gets the victory in the street fight when he's the underdog. In fact, number six may be the funniest movie of all, where they bring Rocky Balboa out of the assisted living center, and he fights that guy that's 30 years younger than him, and somehow walks away looking pretty good. I, I love a good underdog story. One of the things I think, one of the reasons why I think we love an underdog story is many of us, we can find ourselves as the underdog in different parts of our life, right? Where we kind of view ourselves and we're like, man, I've got all this potential. If I was just given the right opportunity, I could achieve so much. I could do wonderful things. If somebody would just give me the opportunity. And so then when Apollo Creed calls our name, doesn't matter what the odds are. We feel like, man, I can do this. I can be the underdog and I can get the victory. In fact, for me, I am completely mechanically challenged. Cannot figure out how to do anything with mechanics. Cars, I, it's terrible. And I remember a number of years ago, my father-in-law, I said, hey, I need to change the brakes in my wife's car. Would you help me do this? And so he did not do it for me. He sat there and told me step by step, here's what you do. And I had to do it. So I got done changing these brake pads and I was like, man, I'm pretty good. Look at that. The underdog rose up and got the victory. And I, and I had all this pride thinking, man, I can do this. And so a couple months later, the brakes in my car needed replacing. And I'm like, man, I got this. I'm good. So I started taking all the pieces off and I'm looking at these pieces. And I remember there was something with a clamp. I think there was something with some grease, but I didn't remember exactly how it was to be done. And so I created this huge mess and ended up having to go to the mechanic and uh, he tried to fix the big mess I made. I cost more money because I had this pride thinking, well, I don't need help anymore. I can do it on my own. You ever notice that that's not just me? That's probably something that happens in human nature. That sometimes we have this tendency where when we find success, when we are given a gift uh, that we're talented in, when, when we have this blessing from God, sometimes we have this temptation where we begin to feel like, well, I deserve this. We begin to get prideful. We begin to say, look at all the success I did. I deserve it. I earned it. And we take credit for the blessing that God gives us. And we say, this success is because of me. So instead of us looking at what God does in our life and us worshiping him for who he is, essentially we begin to worship ourselves and say, I'm good enough and this is why this happened. The problem with this in our life, the problem with this pride is Exodus chapter 34 verse 14. It says that we shall worship no other God except for God alone. And it says because he is a jealous God. He's a jealous God, which means he's jealous of our worship. And so when God gives us a blessing and a gift and we begin to take that pride on ourselves and take ownership and really we begin to worship ourselves, that God becomes jealous of that worship. And what happens is that puts us outside of his will. When we begin to take that pride and take uh, worship ourselves and say, look how great I am, I've earned this, I've accomplished this, it puts us outside of the will of God and it makes us work, work against God instead of with him and for him. 
And if we do that, we're going to miss out on his blessings. We're going to miss out on his power. We're going to miss out on his success in our lives. And we're going to miss out on what God wants to do in us and through us. And so in in Judges chapter 7, that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to see that the blessing of God, the power of God, and God's success comes by us putting our faith and trust completely in him and not in ourselves. Listen, I think most of us would say, listen, we want God's blessing. We want to have God give us gifts and God be present and have his power in our life. And we have to understand it doesn't come from us being good. It doesn't come from us being qualified. It doesn't come from us being awesome. It comes by us humbly acknowledging our weakness and putting our faith and our trust and our dependence fully on him. So Judges chapter 7 and verse 1, it says, Jerobabil, this is actually Gideon's nickname. It means that he was the Baal butt kicker. He gathers an army together, and they camp across the army of Midian. They're going to get ready to go and destroy God's people. They're ready for battle. Gideon is able to assemble about 32,000 soldiers. So he's got a good-sized army. And in verse 2, God says something very different. In fact, it's something I want us to marinate on this statement. Verse 2, God says, he says to Gideon, he says, The people are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands, or else... Israel will boast over me and say that my hand has saved us. Man, there's so much for us to learn about our human nature in that statement. We're going to come back to it in a few minutes, though. Verse 3, so this is what God says. uh, Because there's too many of you, um, here's what I want you to do. Those who are afraid, if you are fearful and trembling, I want them to go home. And 22,000 people went home. So here you've got Gideon with an army of 32,000 people, 22,000 of them are afraid, and God sends them home. And so it leaves Gideon with an army of 10,000. Okay, I guess that's what God wants to do. Except this is where it doesn't make sense. It goes even further. God says the people, in verse 4, he says the people are still too many. 10,000 is still too many for God to work with. And so he puts this random test. And he says, listen, I want you to take the soldiers down to uh, the, the water. And those men who... Uh, lap water into their tongue like a dog. And those men who kneel down, I want you to set those men aside. There's about 300 of those men who did that. And he said, all the other men I want you to send home. And so this is what God, he, he does his random test, kind of like who drinks water like a dog and who doesn't. Because the people who drink water like a dog, you keep and everyone else you send home. And what God is doing is he started with this army of 32,000 people for Gideon. And he dropped the army down to... 10,000, and now he dropped it down to 300 people. And you think about this, it doesn't quite make sense because God is intentionally weakening Gideon's army. When you go into a battle, it would make sense the more people you have, the better chance you've got. But God is intentionally weakening Gideon's army. And we're going to come back to that because I think that's really important for us to understand. Continuing in the story, verse 10, uh, God says, listen, Listen, Gideon, if you're afraid, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a a servant with you, and I want you to go down into the enemy's camp, and I want you to listen. And if you do that, you will be strengthened. And if you know anything about Gideon, Gideon was a guy who was fearful. He was afraid. And so he does. He grabs his servant. They go down into the camp, and he overhears a soldier from the enemy. He overhears one of the Midianites tell one of his friends. The guy says, hey, I had this weird dream, this crazy dream where there was this uh, cake of barley bread 
and it tumbled down into our camp and it flattened all of our tents and destroyed the tents. It's the weirdest thing. It was a piece of bread. And the, the friend says, man, let me interpret your dream for you. This dream, what it means is it's about Gideon. And it's about how God has given our entire army into Gideon's hands. Think about Gideon. He's fearful. He obeys God. He goes down. He overhears this. And all of a sudden, Gideon is encouraged and strengthened. He's like, we got this. We can do this. What I love about this part of the story is God is so patient in dealing with Gideon's faltering faith. I mean, by now, you'd think, if you know the story, by now, God, he's already proven himself to Gideon more than once. He's already done a number of things to say, look, Gideon, I'm with you. Remember the fleece story? Gideon puts the fleece out. God, if you're with me, make the fleece be wet. And God does it. And God shows up. You'd think by now that Gideon would have it figured out. But Gideon is probably a lot like you and I, where he still begins to struggle with some doubt. He's got some fear. He can't quite fully trust God, even though you would expect him to have it figured out. The reason I love this part of Gideon is because if, if we're going to be honest, man, don't we go through seasons where our faith becomes a little bit hard like this? Don't we go through seasons where life is difficult? Circumstances make it difficult and we begin to doubt, God, are you really here? God, are you with me? God, are you really present with me right now? Because sometimes I just struggle. I'll admit, I've, I've experienced this in my own life. I'm a pastor and there are times that I struggle and say, God, I don't understand this. Would you help me to know? And I want to encourage you that, listen, if you've got questions, it's okay to have questions. It's okay for you to ask God to reveal himself to you, to reveal what he is doing. Because Gideon is a great example of God patiently developing Gideon's faith. The way that faith plays out is God reveals a little bit and then expects us to take a step. And then God re reveals a little bit more and expects us to take another step. In fact, that's why scripture says that God is a, God's word is a lamp unto our feet. Most of us, we'd want a spotlight. Like, give me a spotlight that I can see everything and know everything that's going to happen. But that's not the way that God works. God gives us just what we need and then expects us to take a step of faith expects us to take a risk and say, God, you've given this to me. I don't understand it. I'm going to take a step. And when we do that, God continues to reveal himself. Verse 16, this is just going to continue in the story. And I think actually this part of the story kind of makes a similarity to where we are right now with the coronavirus. Makes me think about that. So verse 16, since God has reduced Gideon's army to only 300 people, Gideon has to get creative. And so this is what he tells his soldiers. He says, listen, instead of grabbing a sword, what I want you to do is I want you to grab a trumpet, a jar, a glass jar, and a torch. And he takes them in and he spreads them all along the, the hillside around the valley. And he says, listen, when you hear the sound, I want you to be ready. And he gives a sound and he blows the trumpet. And all of those 300 soldiers that are around the valley, they, they take the glass jar and they smash it and they blow their trumpet, and they raise up that torch uh, uh, around the valley. What's interesting is the text says that that happened at the, chain, at the beginning of the third watch. So in that day, you had a night watch. You had three night watches. You had one group that served as guard for four hours, and then they would go home and go to bed. The next group would serve for four hours as a guard, and then the last group uh, would serve the last four hours while the other two groups were sleeping. And what happened is when the third group was getting ready to take place, they get in place to take, the, take their guard, their night shift, 
That's when Gideon blows the horn. That's when all the glass breaks. And to those people in the valley, all of that jars breaking would have sounded like hundreds of thousands of swords being drawn. And when they looked up to hear, what's that sound? They look up on the hillside and they see all those torches and they hear all those trumpets. And they would have thought, man, there's hundreds of thousands of enemies around us. And so those soldiers, they ran back into the camp. And again, those soldiers that are already sleeping, they hear the commotion. They run out of their tents and they see people running all around them. And what happened is all these soldiers in their confusion, they started attacking one another. And so that's how this army of 300 people, that's how they beat and defeated an army of 100,000 people because God allowed Gideon to create this commotion and this uh, confusion that these soldiers ended up killing themselves to defeat the Midianite army. What I love about this is Gideon had to be creative. Gideon had to say, listen, God, all you've given me is 300 men, and I've got to get creative with how I go into battle. You had to have wisdom. This is what God has given me, and I'm going to make the most of it. And a little bit, this is where we are in the coronavirus right now. God has changed what we normally do. God has said, listen, I'm going to create this thing that happens so you're not going to be able to gather as your normal Sunday morning gathering. And what we're doing right now is trying to say, okay, God, this is what you've given us. We want to be creative to figure out how do we accomplish what you've called us to do, which is, which is to reach people for Jesus. How do we make Christ, how do we know Christ and make Christ known in this season? And this is what we're doing. This is why we're having this online conversation today. So thank you for tuning in. I'm going to come back to that verse I said I was going to come back to, verse 2, where God tells Gideon, he says, the people are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands or else you will boast, and, or else you will say, my own hand saved me. There's so much to learn in this principle. In fact, this is what we have to learn. This is a big idea, is that God's power doesn't come, or God's power comes from human strength. Okay, let me rephrase this. God's power comes from weakness and not from human strength. I mean, that's what this text is saying. That's what God is trying to tell Gideon. Listen, my power comes from weakness, not from human strength and human ability. That as God reduces Gideon's army, he's doing so so that Gideon would trust in God, not Gideon would trust in himself. Listen, there are times in our life that God does the same thing. God will reduce the size of our army so that we learn how to trust in him. They'll say, well, what, is, what do you mean by God reduces his army in my life? Think about the circumstances that happen. Think about uh, perhaps some health struggles that you're dealing with. That's God reducing your army. Think about relational problems that you're dealing with. That is God reducing your army. Think about maybe some financial problems that you find yourself in. This is God reducing your army. He's trying to strip away your ability to trust in yourself, so you have to learn how to depend on Him. And I'll tell you, listen, I don't think God delights in doing this. I don't think God delights in causing these sorts of things to happen to us. But God does want us to learn how to trust in Him. God weakens us to bring us to the point that we depend on Him and not on ourselves. In fact, A.W. Tozer, Tozer said this. He said, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. I think that's just so true of life. That God will, will break us to the point that we, have, we learn we have to depend on Him and not on ourselves. And why is that? Why is that? 
Because when we are experiencing, when we, in our weakness, we learn how to depend on him. In our weakness, we learn that Jesus, he's the ultimate goal. He's the one that we need to rely on. He's the one we need to trust in. And so you begin to think about this in your life. When your spouse fails you, when your spouse doesn't live up to your expectations, listen, that is a time that we learn how to lean into God. That is when we learn that he is enough for me. When our business begins to struggle, maybe we get laid off at work, maybe we deal with some financial problems. Listen, when we have that experience in our life, that teaches us to trust that God is our provider. When we have friends that maybe abandon us and turn their back on us, it is meant to teach us that God will never forsake, leave us nor forsake us and he will never abandon us. That our, the weakness we experience, it forces us to lean into God and fully depend on him. I begin to think about, you know, what are the things that keep us from the riches of God's power and strength? What's the exact opposite of this? It's when we think that we are good enough, when we rely on our own strength, when we rely on our own uh, abilities, when we rely on our own riches, it keeps us from depending on the riches of his love and power and grace. In fact, I would say that probably one of the most important spiritual principles for us to learn is that our strengths are more dangerous than our weaknesses. You ever thought about that? How your strengths are more dangerous than your weaknesses? Because our strengths, they keep us from turning to God. We become good enough on our own. And so our strengths keep us from depending on God. So what is, what is your strength? What would you say your strength is? Maybe for you, maybe you're a really good parent. Maybe for you, you're a great businessman. Maybe for you, um, you're good in relationships. Maybe for you, you're really good with money. What is your strength? What would you say your strength is? And let me just issue this word of caution and this danger is not to let pride step into that. That you don't look at your strength and think, listen, I have all this success. I'm good at this. I have this gift because I'm awesome, because I'm, I'm worthy, because I'm so good at this. Because that completely is contrary to what God has established for us. That, that the gift that God has given you, the blessing that God has given you in being good at this is exactly that. It is a gift from God. It is a blessing from Him. It's not something that you can take credit for. It's not something that you can boast in. It is something that is meant to allow you to recognize, listen, I'm blessed and I'm going to worship God because of what He has done. Because success in this life and God's power and God's blessing, it is not found in our strength. It's found in our weakness. A reality is some of us, listen, God is reducing your army. God is allowing you to struggle for this season in your life so that you would lean into his lean into him, so that you would experience his power and his strength, so that you would boast in him and not in yourself. And I would say for me, some of the greatest seasons of, of growth and blessing that I've experienced when God has grown me the most have been all those times that I've come through failure, have been the times that I've made a mess of my life and I've dealt with suffering and God has blessed me and allowed me to grow in those seasons. I had to get humbled in order to trust God and not in myself and to put myself back in a right relationship and dependence on Him. In fact, 
You see this in the life of Jesus as well. You see this all throughout the gospel accounts where we are confronted with the weakness of Jesus. In fact, remember, before Jesus was on trial, before he was arrested, remember what he was doing? He was washing his disciples' feet. There's probably no more sign of weakness than being a servant that has to wash people's feet. I mean, that's a gross job in itself, but that's what he was doing. During Jesus' trial, remember Jesus, he was mocked, he was spit upon, he was made fun of, and it seems he was unable, he was too weak to even defend himself. In fact, remember when Jesus was carrying his cross, he was so weak he couldn't carry his cross himself, he had to have someone else carry the cross for him. And then Jesus, he dies with his hands outstretched on a cross. Is there any greatest sign of weakness than someone whose arms are wide open? That is a sign of weakness. But it's through that that God brought resurrection. It is through that weakness that God brought power and victory and the resurrection that gives us life. In fact, this is the basis of how faith works. This is how our faith works. That we don't come to God with strength. We don't come to God with all these wonderful things that we do and say, look, God, here's all the things I've done for you. No, in, in humility, we come to him with weakness and brokenness, and brokenness and say, God, man, I'm broken, I'm weak. I don't have enough on my own. We come not with the ability to save ourselves. We come and say, God, I realize I'm not good enough on my own. I can't do this on my own. And we fall on the mercy of God. That we are completely unrighteous and hopeless on our own. But Jesus does it all in our place on the cross. We need to learn from Gideon. We need to learn that power and success and blessing is not found in our strength. It is found in our weakness. It is found in our weakness. The Christian faith, it begins on this weakness. It begins with saying, God, I can't save myself. God, would you save me? And the Christian faith, it continues on that same weakness. In the same way that we need God for his power in every area of our life. I want to just say, would you just take a minute and just, just close with me in prayer? Would you just close your eyes wherever you're at? Close your eyes and just, just, just pray with me for just a moment. God, I know that there are some today, and God, they're coming today in weakness. God, they're listening to this message, and they're in weakness. And God, you are trying to tell them today. God, you're trying to tell them, listen, I will be your security. God's trying to say, I will be your ever-faithful companion. I will be your justification. I will be your righteousness if you just depend on me. Listen, I recognize there are some of us listening today that we're struggling. We're in a season of suffering. We're facing hardship. God might have, might have been reducing our army. Listen, God doesn't delight in doing that. He puts us in our life so that we would learn to lean on Him and depend on Him. Listen, today I think God is saying to us, would you surrender to me? Would you submit to me? Would you depend on me? God, I pray that you would be that for that person today. God, I know that there are some who are listening today, and God, I know that you've delivered them from weakness in the past. But if that person is going to be honest with themselves, they're going to look and say, you know, I've slipped back into a sense of independence from God. 
slip back into this idea that I can be good enough in my own. I'm strong enough and smart enough and capable enough and gifted enough. Listen, God, would you speak to that person today? Speak to them and say, wake up. Speak to them and say, would you humble yourself before God has to do something drastic in your life? God, I pray that you would be with that person today. God, I recognize there are some watching online today and some have never begun this journey. They've never realized how hopeless they are without God. God, I pray that today they'd be convinced of two things, two things that they cannot do on their own. They cannot release themselves from the curse of sin and they cannot deliver themselves from the power of death. But God, I pray that today you would reveal to them that Jesus did both of those for them. Jesus died in their place. Jesus suffered the curse of their sin. Jesus overcame death for you in his resurrection. And what does God ask of you this morning? To confess your weakness, to acknowledge what Jesus did for you and what you couldn't do yourself. That today you will receive his grace and his forgiveness as a gift. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you speak to us. And I pray that, God, every one of us would walk away today knowing that you've been present with us, you've spoken to us, and you've drawn us deeper in love with you. God, we thank you, and we praise you for who you are. And we ask this in your name. Amen. I want to thank you for uh, joining us today. It's been such a joy. Uh, two things I want to point out before we end this. Uh, number one, I want to invite you to make an online donation to Restoration Church. We've got two ways that you can give at Restoration Church today. Uh, number one, you can text any amount to 84321. You pull out your phone, uh, you type in 84321, send a dollar amount to that message, follow the prompts, and you can give that way. Or you can visit uh, restorationyakima.com forward slash give, and you can make an online donation there. Listen, I will just say this. I will say that the church is going to move forward. Regardless of what's going on in our society, the church will move forward. And your support makes that possible. So if you are a regular at Restoration Church, man, we are in a unique season in our church, are we not? And so I invite you to stay committed to your support of Restoration Church. Move your giving to online. Help us stay current. Help us keep these uh, things happening. And listen, if you are new to Restoration Church, if you are watching online today and the Lord has spoken to you, man, your support would be tremendously appreciated. I wouldn't be able to thank you enough for your support. Second thing I want to mention before we get done today, listen, don't do life alone. Uh, there are times like this where it's easy for us to slip in between the cracks. It's easy for us to just go hide out and be a recluse all by yourself. But I want to remind you that you were created for a relationship with God. And you were created for a relationship with others. And so i got to beg you, listen, stay connected. Stay connected. We want to provide you with some opportunities this week through social media, through our website, through email, uh, so you can get connected to other believers here at Restoration Church. And so... If you are not connected, please do what you can. Send me a message. Let's get connected. Do not do life alone, especially in this season. Listen, I love you all. It has been such a joy to be able to do this. How fun to be able to do this. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for putting up with me for the last, I don't know how long we've been talking. Now, let me just close with this. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you and give you his peace. Thank you. Thank you.